But turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 22, we're, of course, continuing our study of the life of David. We're almost to the end. We're seeing the history of the nation of Israel and the life of David at the same time. We've been seeing, of course, 1 Samuel had Samuel and Saul, and 2 Samuel has David, and then we'll go 1 Kings for the first 11 chapters, and we'll look at the life of Solomon. And then after that, we're going to do the book of Revelation on Sunday morning, so it should be a lot of fun. So we'll be getting through all this. We're seeing David's life, and in chapter 22, uh, we're seeing a song, and we'll talk more about it in a minute. When you think about David's life, we called it triumph and trouble. In chapters 1 through 10 of 2 Samuel, David in triumph, everything goes good. He defeats all the enemies. Everything is great. But in chapter 11, he has this sin with Bathsheba. Everything goes bad after that. There's always trouble and issues, issues with his own sons, families. It's just terrible. And so as we look at as David's life is coming to an end, there's been some, some really hard things. These last chapters, chapter 21, 22, 23, and 24, they're not in chronological order. In fact, the song that we started last week, 2 Samuel 22, probably happened, or he probably wrote this before he became king, or maybe right after becoming king, because it's talking about a story of when Saul tried to get him and his enemies tried to get him. And so we know that was early in David's life, most likely before he was the king. This uh, matches Psalm 18. We'll see it. And um, so chapter 22 is a song of David. And what it's really about, and to put it simply is, David thanks God for delivering him from the hand of Saul and his enemies, which were the surrounding nations. Now, we brought this up last week, but remember, David never called Saul his enemy. And so the psalm actually says, delivered from his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So Saul is never considered David's enemy, even though he tried to kill David many times. David would never take vengeance against him. So we're seeing that, and, and there's a lot of great things. And we started last week, and we went 1 through 28, through the verse 28 verses. This morning we'll start with verse 29 and go through the end of the chapter, which is verse 51. It looks like a lot, uh, but it's a song, and we'll talk through it as we go through it. And let me give you some questions, some issues to think about as we go through it. How do we know right from wrong? And where do we go for direction? And then how do we have victory in our Christian lives? Because we're looking at this, David's in trouble. Where did he go? How did he have victory? And then the last thing is, what is our response to God when he gives victory? How do we respond to God when we pray or we ask things or things work out good and we go, wow, that's great. What, what do we do? How do we respond? Well, we'll see it as we go through. Well, let me just start with this right here, that worship is often misunderstood. Uh, let me just give you an idea of something. If you go back around 25 years ago and you wanted to look for a book on worship, uh, I had a friend, this was 30 years ago, but he was going to, he thought he'd do a study on worship and he found, all he found was three books on worship. But now if you go to any Christian store or anything, there's a bunch of books on worship. And so, but there's still confusion. So what is worship? Is worship a feeling? Is worship the music part? Did we have the worship and now we have the teaching? Uh, what is worship? And literally the word worship comes from an old English word which means worth-ship, showing worth to something. The Greek word for worship is, is a word that literally means to put your face to the ground. It has an idea of bowing down. Worship is actually responding to God in every aspect is what it is. In fact, it's responding to God to who he is, his character, his person, and what he did. We would say we respond to God who he is. He's the eternal son of God. What did he do? He died and rose again and gives us eternal life. And we'll talk more about it as we go through. But that's what worship really is. And what we see is David has written a song to God 
because God delivered him from an enemy. And he's actually writing this song to praise God and to thank God. And if you, if you notice in the Bible, this is basically almost exactly the same as Psalm 18. So it appears that the author of second, first and second Samuel, and we don't really know who that was, they probably took Psalm 22 and put it right in here showing David's song. And let me give you the outline of, of, the, of Psalm 22. Uh, we see David's song at verse 1, and then we see the description of God. We saw that last time. David's in trouble. God, he calls on God. God saves David. We'll see all that. And then David ends with praise. And so to simply put the psalm and, and the, the song of David, David praises God. He got into trouble. Enemies came after him. He called out to God, and God delivered David. That's what the song is about. And as David writing it and saying, thank you, God, for saving me. And so we'll see how that fits together. And, and, and for us, we can say the same thing. I mean, we, we know who God is, and sometimes things come into our lives. They're bad. They're up and down. And we call out to God, and we say, God, help me. I need help. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know what to do. And God is always there. Let me, let me kind of give you a little review. Last time in the introduction, it was the words of David's song, when God delivered David from Saul and the enemies. That was, that was it. And so we saw several things. We saw, first of all, a description of God. And in that, he was called the rock, the fortress, the deliverer, the strength, the shield. Then we saw David telling of his times of trouble. The enemies came after David to get him. And then we see that he called out to God, and God saved David. And, and what was amazing, if you remember reading it, God comes out of heaven. And David uses this analogy by saying, and he's got smoke coming out of his nostrils, and he's coming down, and he's coming down to the enemy, and he's going to wipe them out. And I, mean, I mean, he talks about the force of God coming. And so that's what we saw last time in, the, in that thing. And, and if you look at verses 17, 18, 19, and 20, he says, God, you saved me. You took me. You drew me out. You put me in a broad place. A broad place means a place of safety. And so this psalm is really saying David got into trouble, enemies came after him, he called on God, and God saved his life. That's what he's talking about. And we can use it in our own lives and say, when I get into trouble, when things come, come after me, when I'm, I've, when I'm in a fallen world, I'm going to call on God. I'm going I'm to go to my God and say, God, help me. You're always there. He says, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. That's what we're supposed to do. So let me give you some principles we saw from last week. We saw in times of trouble, call upon God. That's what we're supposed to do. We saw last time that God is our strength and shield. He's the one who will deliver us. He always is our strength and shield. We can't live our Christian life in our own power. And then, we, basically, David said something that was unusual. He said, one of the reasons God saved me, and we're talking about delivered him from an enemy, was because he lived righteously. And so we say we should live righteously in a fallen world. Well, as we get ready to finish it out, we saw the first 28 verses. We're going to start at verse 29. Let me give you these three things. We're going to see the rest of the song. We're going to see that God directs in verse 29. Verses 30 through 40, God gives the strength. We'll see that. And then in 41 through 49, God gives the victory. Those three things we'll see, and then we'll end it by what David does. But let's start first with God directs. Second uh, Samuel 22, look at verse 29. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord illumines my darkness. God, he's saying, God, you're the one that directs. You're the one that gives me light. You're the one that tells me where to go. You're the one that tells me what to do. 
He's the lamp, and that's true. Where do we go to find out what's right or wrong? Where do we go to, to know the direction? How do we know how to live in a fallen world? And David is saying, you're my lamp, O Lord. You're the one that illuminates the darkness. I want you to notice something, and we talked about this many times, but I want you to see this. If you notice, if you look in your Bible, it says, for you're my lamp, O Lord, and Lord is all four capital letters, okay, in our Bibles. It means, it's, it's transliterated basically in Hebrew as Y-H-W-H, we say Yahweh. It's the personal name of God. There are a number of names of God in the Bible. There's a name El, E-L, which is a singular form of God. There's a word called Elohim, which is a plural form of God. There's a word called Adonai, which in English, it's transliterated a capital L, little O-R-D. And then there's this word Y-H-W-H, which is the personal name of God. And it's transliterated L-O-R-D, all capitals. It means the personal name of God. It means the ever-existing, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God. That's who it is. And so he says, you are my lamp, O Lord. And he's saying, Yahweh. He's calling God, God. He's saying, you are the one. And, and, he's, and when he's talking about this, he's talking about, you're the one that saved me. You're the one that tells me where to go. He's talking about a spiritual aspect. Look at this right here. This is Psalm 27.1, a Psalm of David. And David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my defense, or the Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Now, I want you to understand something, that when David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, he's not talking about eternal life salvation. Almost every reference in the Old Testament dealing with the word salvation is a physical deliverance. So look at the passages and see how it fits together. Uh, in the New Testament, you've got words for salvation, and sometimes they mean eternal life salvation. Sometimes they mean Christian life. Sometimes they even mean future. But even in this psalm, he says, you're my light and my salvation. He's not talking about eternal life. He's talking about you're my deliverer. He talks about in this passage, he says, you're my lamp, O Lord. You're, you, and he's going to use the word salvation later, and he's using it the same way. You're the one that takes care of me. God is the one that tells him what to do. So how do we know what's right? We go to God's word. How do we know what he's supposed to do? We go to God's word. John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. Psalm 119, 105. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Where do we go for direction? God and his word. Now David is saying, God, you're my light. You're my lamp. You're the one that eliminates my darkness. You're the one that illuminates where I can go and what I do. And so he says, that's who you are. Now, from there, he talks about how God gives him strength. Look at verse 30. For by you, I can run upon a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. Now, David's getting really wild here. He's telling some good things. He's saying, boy, by your power, I can do anything. And that's what he said. The truth is, it's not our strength, but God's strength. And this is what David said. Look what he says. I want you to look at it carefully, because sometimes when you read the Bible, we read it really fast. Look what he says, for by you, I can run upon a troop. That means I can run over a bunch of army soldiers. I can run over them. I can just run over them. And then look what he says, uh, by my God, I can leap over a wall. When was the last time you jumped over a wall? Okay, I mean, David's saying, by God's power, I can jump over a wall. I can, I can crush an army. And then he goes on to say, as for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He is, notice, he is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Now, there's a truth there. That when trials come and problems come, where do you go? You go to the one who can be your shield, who the one who can protect you. And David says, that's who you are. I, I, I can beat a troop. I can jump over a wall. You're the blameless one. You're my shield. And then look what he says in verse 32. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is a rock besides our God? 
God is my strong fortress. He sets the blameless in his way. And so notice what he says. Who is God? Our Lord. Remember, L-O-R-D, all capitals, the personal name of God. He says, who is our God? The personal God, the true God. You know, there are people all over the world, they worship things that aren't God. You know, the truth is there's either God or there's a satanic being, an angel. And so often when, when people reject the true God, they're worshiping, they're worshiping satanic things is what they're really worshiping. And so he says, our God's the true God. Who is God? It's our Lord. It's the true God. He is the one that gives the victory. Notice he says, who is God besides the Lord? Who is the rock? He is my fortress. He sets the blameless in his way. And then he goes, he's the one who, God is the one who gives us the strength to live and to have victory. Now listen, every one of us out there know that we have a battle going on inside. And if we're going to have victory in the Christian life, it cannot be in our power because our power always fails. It's got to be in God through us. The moment we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He is our strength. And the word of God is our light. And Jesus is the, the one. And so all of that ties together. And so David is saying, who is, the, who is God? It's the rock. He's my fortress. He's my strength. He is everything. And then look what he does in verse 34. He makes my feet like hind's feet and sets me on high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. And you go, what is he talking about? Well, you know, in that day and time, there were these goats. Uh, and if you, David sometimes used to go to En Gedi. And around En Gedi, there's all these rocks and hills. And, and they have goats. And they have certain kind of goats there that have these hind feet that they can get on a place that you couldn't even stand on. And they can just stand there. And so he's actually saying, you make me like these goats' feet that I can just stand strong for you. He makes my feet like hind's feet, like goat's feet. He sets me on high places. He puts me up high. He trains me for battle. And he's saying, I can do it. So he says, he's got me ready for battle. Now, I want you to notice something that he's going to talk about fighting and battle and everything. But in real life, who gives the victory? It's not us. It's God through us. And by the way, we, we are in a spiritual battle. I don't know if you've thought about this, but there is the devil and the world and the flesh. That's the, the three aspects. And the devil controls the fallen world, and the fallen world affects our flesh. Now, let's talk about the devil is an angel, a bad angel. He started off good. He was, God put him in the throne. He rebelled against God. God cast him out. He's a, he's a demon. He is the head of the demons, and he's evil being, and he controls the world system. God has allowed him to control the world system. Our world system is a fallen system. It used to be good, and then the garden, everything fell. I mean, just that's the way it is. It's controlled by the devil, so the devil controls the world system, and this world system affects our flesh. Now, we have inside of us a natural bent to sin. It's called the old man. It's called the flesh. It's called the bent to sin. It's inside of every person. You have a natural bent to do wrong. Uh, I mean, we don't have to teach people to do wrong. We have to teach people to do right because we naturally do wrong. So our flesh is there. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, and so there's this battle going on inside of us because our flesh, the Bible actually says the flesh never wants to do right, never wants to please God, always wants to do its own thing. And then you have the Holy Spirit who lives inside you, and that's why the Bible says there's this battle going on inside. And so we have the world controlled by Satan, and the world affects our flesh. And we tend to fall if we're not careful. And so we've got this battle. David is saying, you've got me ready for battle. God gets us ready for battle, and that's when we put on the armor of God. And if you think about Ephesians, where it says, put on the armor of God so that you can stand. When you are fighting the Christian life, you are not going after the devil. Just remember that. 
The Bible says put on the armor of God. It's all defensive. Then it says put on the armor of God. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You're not fighting the devil. You're not going after the devil. You're putting on the armor. You're getting close to God and you're standing strong. That's how we live the Christian life. That's how we gain the victory. And so the flesh is inside of us and the flesh says, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And it's pulling us because that world says, yeah, I'll do this. And the devil's behind it all. We are in a spiritual battle. And that David is saying, God's prepared me to fight. Well, the truth is, he's prepared us. We've got the armor. Look what he goes on to say in verse 36, 37. He says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. And you help make me great. You enlarge my steps upon me and my feet have not slipped. Now, he says, you have given me the shield. You know, God, he's basically saying, God has prepared him for the battle. He says, you've given me the shield of your salvation. Don't think eternal life salvation. He's talking about, he's talking about physical deliverance in this song, how God gave him the shield of salvation to save him out of the battle. And so we put on the armor of God so that we can stand strong in the spiritual battle that we're in. Now, so what have we seen? God directs, God strengthens, and here's the third thing, God gives the victory. Look what David says about the victory. Now, you have to look at it carefully because sometimes David will say, I did this and I did this, but then he goes back and says, but it was God who subdued the enemy. God does it all. Watch what he says in verse uh, 38. I pursued my enemy and I destroyed them. I did not turn back until they were consumed. I have devoured them and shattered them so they did not rise and they fell under my feet. He's saying, in the battle, God gave me the victory. I defeated them. And, and, and if we're going to read in just a minute and you're going to see that David, even though David says, I had victory in the battle, it was God who gave the victory. You remember, if you study the Old Testament carefully and you look at the nation of Israel, every time they're in fellowship with God and go to battle, they win. Every time they're out of fellowship with God and go to battle, they lose. David is saying, in God's power, in God's strength, God gave the victory through me. That's what he's saying. I pursued my enemies. I destroyed them. I shattered them. They fell under my feet. We go, wow, that, he's getting after them, and he's getting them. Then notice verse 40. For you have girded me with strength for the battle. God, you have strengthened me. Now watch the next part of the verse. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. It's God who did it. David got the fight. David won the battle. But he says, God, you are the one that gave the victory. Look at verse 41. You made my enemies turn my back to me. I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save them. Even the Lord, he didn't even answer them. I pulverized them. <laughs> I love that. I pulverized them as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them. And so you say, wow, he did it. But he didn't do it. He did it in God's strength. And that's what he says. You subdued my enemy. And you and I can live the Christian life and we can have victory in the Christian life. And we don't say, I had victory in the Christian life. We say, God brought victory through me in the Christian life. You got a battle. How do we gain victory? Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you live in the power of the Holy Spirit who's inside you, you will have victory. If you live in the flesh, you will not have victory. He says, walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another that you may not do the things you please. You have a battle going on inside of you, and I do too. 
and it's a flesh telling me to do something wrong, to go contrary to God, do what I want to do, uh, fulfill my personal desires and my sinful desires, and it is the Holy Spirit saying, live, walk, live in the power of me. Do what God wants you to do. Obey the scripture. Live it out. You got this battle going on. And when you listen to the flesh, you sin and you fall. When you listen to the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, you'll have victory in the Christian life. And David is saying, I, I, in your strength, you girded me for battle. You subdued my enemies. I made, they turned their back to me. I destroyed them. I pulverized them. I got them. I defeated them. Look what he says. Verse 44. You have also delivered me. You have, not me. You have delivered me from the contentions of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people who I don't even know serve me. Foreigners pretend obedience to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. Foreigners lose heart and they come trembling out of their fortresses. He says, not only did I gain victory, I'm the, I'm the king. I'm, I'm, they're coming to me. They're falling down in front of me. David went from being hunted by an enemy to being the ruler by God's strength and protection. When David wrote this, we don't think he was the king yet because Saul's still alive coming after him. He didn't become the king till after Saul died. But David knew he was going to be the king. God had already anointed him when he was 14 or 15 years old. David knew one day he would be the king and he would rule in righteousness and justice. So we end this with three statements. Verse 47, 48, and 49. Verse 47 God is the rock of salvation. 48, God brings down the enemy. 49, God lifts up David. Look at, look at, look at verse 47. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and be exalted the rock of my salvation. Let me stop it. You know, there's a song. People made this into a song, this, this verse. And, and, and so, the Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. And then he says, and exalted, lifted up be God, who is the rock of my salvation. And once again, he's not talking about eternal life salvation. Now, it is true that, he, that God is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. He saved David by faith. He saves us by faith. But in this song, in this psalm, David is writing about how God delivered him from an enemy. And he says, and be exalted, God, the rock of my salvation. And then in verse 48, he says, God brings down the enemy. Look what he says. The God who execute vengeance for me and brings down peoples under me. Now, I want you to notice something that David, David didn't say, I got vengeance on my enemies. He didn't say that. He says, God who executes vengeance. Do we do good or bad to people who have hurt us? Do we get vengeance? Do we get revenge when somebody hurts us? Do we get them back? The Bible says, never return evil with evil, return evil with good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God says, you don't have to worry about it. You love people. I'll deal with those people who hurt you. David says, God is the one that got the vengeance. God is the one who got the vengeance on these people who came after me. God brings down the enemy. There's gonna come a time when every believer will stand before Jesus Christ and it has nothing to do with your sins. All your sins have been placed on Jesus. You have believed in him and you have eternal life. Sins are gone. When you stand before Jesus at what's called the judgment seat of Christ, it's for rewards. 
And he's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or you're going to be ashamed at his coming. There'll be another time called the great white throne judgment is found at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ when unbelievers will stand before Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's not for sin either because the sin of every human being has been placed on Christ. There'll be a books open and then there'll be a book of life opened and anyone's name not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Unbelievers' names are not found in the book of life because you get your name in the book of life by faith in Jesus Christ. Because when you believe in him, he gives you what? Eternal life, and you're in the book of life. So human beings are going to stand before God. Believers will stand before him for rewards. Unbelievers will stand before him, and their name's not found in the book of life, and they're cast into the lake of fire. And so God deals with everybody. We do not have to get people back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. The third thing is God lifts up David. Look at verse 49. He who also brings me out from my enemies, you even lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from violent men. David says, I was in trouble. I called upon you. You came down. You defeated the enemy. You raised me up. God is our Savior. We are in trouble. We were dead in trespasses and sins. He came and saved us. He defeats the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He brings us up. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Now we're alive in Christ. We were children of the devil. Now we are children of God. We have been raised up. So when you think about it, wow, David is saying, here's what you've done, here's what you've done, here's what you've done. And in the same truth, here's what he's done for us. And David's talking about a battle and how God delivered him. We can look at it in a different way. So God works to direct to strengthen, and to give victory. For us, he directs us with his word, he strengthens us with his power, and he gives us victory through his plan, and that is through Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing. Do we realize that the eternal, all-powerful God is working in and through us, not only to give us eternal life, but to provide and protect us and deliver us as we live our Christian lives? So how should we respond to that? How do we respond? Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving is worship. Praise who he is. Thanksgiving, what he has done. Look what David does. Look at, um, look at, look, look at verse 50. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, according to the nations. I will sing praises to your name. He gives thanks to God for who he is. And he praises him for what he's done. It's just to give thanks to the Lord. What did he do? He brought victory. Sing praises to his name. Who is he? He's God. That's what David does. And we do the same thing. On a Sunday morning or any time, not just on a Sunday morning, but when you come together and we start singing these songs, these songs are about God. These songs are about who he is and what he's done. That's what worship is. Worship is responding to God, who he is and what he's done. As you sing, you're responding to him, to who he is and what he's done. As you give, you're responding to him, to who he is and what he's done. As, as you pray, you're responding to who he is and what he's done. As you study, you're saying, I want to know who you are and what you've done, and I want to praise your name for who you are. And then he ends at verse 51. Look at this. He says, he is a tower of deliverance to his king. And he shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. He's basically saying, you always take care of me. Now, there's one word I've, I've got, I want you to see, because it doesn't look 
so great in, 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 Hebrew, in English. It's the word loving kindness. You know, you say loving kindness. He is a tower delivers to his king and he shows loving kindness to the anointed. The word loving kindness is a really special word in the Old Testament. It's a word called hesed. It's actually pronounced chesed. It's a guttural sound in Hebrew. It's an H-S-D. And it means a loyal love, a love that never changes. God loves us with a love that never changes changes. Sometimes when we're doing good for God and we think we're rolling along, we say, God really loves me. And then when we do really bad, we think, God doesn't love me. God loves you exactly the same. His love never changes. Now, not saying we want to do bad because his love never changes. The fact is, he love never changes. He loves us to the maximum and he wants us to serve him and all this. And so he says, you've shown your loving kindness, your loyal love, your unchanging love to his anointed and to David. And so, his love never ends and it never changes. And so I just want you to understand that sometimes you, you, you mess up. We mess up. And we think, well, God's not going to use me anymore. God doesn't love me anymore. I mean, I messed up. And I mean, how could God use somebody like me? Well, his love has never changed. He'll take you and use you as long as you're alive on this earth. He'll say to you, if you want me to, I will use you for my glory. Because his love never changes. Wow, some great stuff. Okay, let's do this because we're, we're at the end. Uh, let me give you some applications to think about. Let's realize that God is the one who gives us the victory. I mean, think about it. Where do we go in times of trouble? It's God. He is the one that delivers us. God is our light. God gives us the truth. God directs us. Notice this. Where do we go when we're in trouble? Look, God's word is our light. He gives us the truth. He's the one. And so God does directs us, God strengthens us, and God gives us the victory. That's what we saw in this. And so as you study this, if you, saw, if you study Psalm 18 or 2 Samuel 22, you say, David wrote a song about trusting God when the trials came. He called out to God. God gave him the victory. God directed him. God strengthened him. God gives the victory. That's what God does. He directs us so we can know the things. He gives us strength. That's the Holy Spirit. He gives us the victory. That's in him. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I love it. Okay, then the second thing, let's respond to God in worship. I mean, this is for us, and you can do it when we're together on a Sunday morning like this. You can do it when you're by yourself because what is worship? It's first of all praise who he is. He's our God and our creator, and thanksgiving, what he has done. So we praise him for who he is. He's our God, our creator. What has he done? He has died, rose again, gives us eternal life, gives us the victory. That's who he is. And so when you think about worship, uh, it's more than the music. It's actually any way you respond to God, who he is and what he has done. As you sing, as you pray, as you give, as you study, all are acts of worship to God.